This is Cam from the Nerdbook Review, where we strive to broaden your fantasy horizons. Today, we will be bringing you the Red Rising trilogy by Pierce Brown. Yes, I did say trilogy, but we do manage to stay mostly spoiler-free still. So if you have not read any of the books, then you will still be fine listening to the uh, the podcast today. Uh, we are going to do just one book to start off with, but uh, then those of us who ended up being on the episode today, which will include uh, one person, Tyler, who you have never heard before, and Eric, who's only been on the podcast once in the past. Uh, the other person will be Barry and then myself. Um, we, all of us read the entire trilogy. I read it in five days, so clearly I enjoyed it. Uh, it's fast-paced. It is very entertaining, and uh, hopefully you'll listen to the episode and find out why. Um Real quick, um, we should be getting out episodes a little bit more regularly now. Uh, when this episode releases, I will have four episodes in the bag, so that should help me uh, make sure that I'm able to uh, not have so much of a long delay in between. Um, one other thing, the uh, with work being a little bit calmer now, I'm getting into my summertime, which is actually my quieter time at work. Um, I should always have some time before I get home with the kids and stuff to to get uh, episodes edited as well. So hopefully we'll be more consistent as the summertime rolls around. Um, the house remodel is pretty much done for this round at least. So uh, hopefully we will be getting them out more. Um, one thing we have uh, somehow, even with us being a little bit on the uh, unreliable side, managed to bring our listing numbers up quite a bit. Uh, that is wonderful, but we have not had a review on uh, iTunes or whatever platform you happen to listen to this podcast in quite some time still. So there's a lot of you listening who I hope enjoy listening to the podcast who haven't left a review or uh, a rating or review. So if you would be so kind as to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, I will quit talking at you now and let's go ahead and get started on the new episode. Thank you. I'm Barry. I'm Eric. And I'm Tyler. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing the Red Rising trilogy. The entire trilogy, uh, Red Rising, Golden Sun, and Morning Star are the first three. Uh, right off the bat, you guys might notice that there are a couple of voices. Eric, we've heard you once. And Tyler, uh, first time on. Thanks for coming on, guys. Glad to be here. Uh, you guys are the ones that got me to... Uh, to read this novel. Yeah, it was it's a, a we were at a party or something and I, I made an impassioned speech to you about how <laughs> you needed to do this. Well, I sometimes think both of you. Sometimes recommendations work like a Venus flytrap, you know? The one trigger hair, you're like, "Oh, okay, no big deal." But then a second person recommends it and then snap shut, you read True. the book. I didn't know yeah. that's how Venus flytraps work. Yeah, it takes two trigger hairs, not just one trigger hair or else you know they'd be shutting and opening all day. Yeah, you want to you don't want to close on just a particle of dust or something. Exactly. Yeah. I did not know that. And they're flowers, and their flowers are up here. Hey, pollinators, don't pay attention to this down here. You're going to get trapped. Up here, here's a flower. Pollinate this. They have a very long stalk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I'm going to give you guys uh, a little rundown on this. Uh, Pierce Brown is the author. The first one, Red Rising, was published in 2014. It's 384 pages long. And uh, he's pretty consistent on this. Then 2015... Uh, Golden Sun was released, then in 2016, Morningstar. That finished off the... That finished off the first trilogy, uh, but it was clearly set up for a second trilogy, which has started. 
Now the first book in that Iron Gold is out, and the second book uh, is going to be published July 9th in the U.S. according to the uh, the deal. Uh, this is an international bestseller. Uh, another part of the reason why we're going to be a little more spoilery and talk about the whole series. Uh, at one point, it was like number 20. Had a um, brand. Uh, at one point, it was the 20th best-selling book in any genre of anything in the United States. So uh, hundreds of thousands of copies have been sold, probably millions at this point. So uh, we're going to talk, talk more than just the first book. Uh, Eric, I think we agreed you're going to read the book cover. I live for the dream that my children will be born free, she says. That they will be what they like, that they will own the land their fathers gave them. I live for you, I say sadly. Io kisses my cheek. Then you must live for more. Darrow is a red, a member of the lowest caste in the color-coded society of the future. Like his fellow reds, he works all day, believing that he and his people are making the surface of Mars livable for future generations. Yet he spends his life willingly, knowing that his blood and sweat will one day result in a better world for his children. But Darrow and his kind have been betrayed. Soon he discovers that humanity already reached the surface generations ago. Vast cities and sprawling parks spread across the planet. Darrow and the Reds like him are nothing more than slaves to a decadent ruling class. Inspired by a longing for justice and driven by the memory of lost love, Darrow sacrifices everything to infiltrate the legendary Institute, a proving ground for the dominant gold caste where the next generation of humanity's overlords struggle for power. He'll be forced to compete for his life and the very future of civilization against the best and most brutal of society's ruling class. There, he will stop at nothing to bring down his enemies. Even if it means... Even if it means... <laughs> even if it means he has to become one of them to do so. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, as usual, I'll give my quick take in one sentence or two. Uh, a space opera set throughout. Oh my god. You picking up Brand? Nope. We haven't been picking up me at all. Because oh. I didn't turn on the secondary power that this only, only this mic needs. Anyways, I think I'm going to be able to get it anyways. I've been talking loud enough. Um, all right, my quick take. A space opera set throughout the solar system in a society which is deeply stratified. Or stratified. Stratified. Darrow and a small group will struggle for equality for everyone. Okay, now that I'm actually, you can hear me. Um, luckily, I can do the book info part over again, and otherwise, we'll be okay. Um, Tyler, you've never been on the podcast before. I'll let you give your first uh, thoughts on the book. Okay. Uh, I was first turned on to this by a friend who just, he mentioned it casually and, um, he just said, uh, oh yeah, it's a good read. He, he'd only read, uh, Red Rising, mm -hmm. but, uh, he just said, yeah, it's like 700 years in the future and we've colonized the whole solar system and, um, the entire system is completely unequal and, uh, stratified and, um, it just goes from there, and anytime you know, I I can 
get into something where we've colonized the solar system. <laughs> I'm down. Um, so it was just fun. It was just action packed and um, from, you know, friendship and love and family and war. It just had it all. And it was just it was a blast from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, you say when you say action packed, it really is. Even the um, early on when they're um, doing what like would be considered like an info dump period where you're learning a lot about the golds and the, uh, the history as well as at the academy. And instead of like sitting in a classroom learning, he's basically on a medieval battlefield where they're like actually fighting a war, you know, for domination between different groups of, of the rulers. Barry, you haven't spoke much. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm going to coin a new term here. If nobody's come up with this before, I'm going to take credit for it. This uh, episode is evidence. Uh, Y-A-F-A, so this is a Yaffa novel. You hear that, everybody? It is young adult for adults. It's obviously a very violent book with lots of R-rated scenes, yet it is written with some fairly young characters, making it somewhat of a, like an adult version of a young adult novel. So people who in high school read a lot of young adult books, um, who went out and got jobs and still read books, they now are reading Yaffa books, like this one. <laughs> Hashtag Yaffa 2020. You can cut that if you want. Well, I, um, I thought it was that. amazing. I thought it was an amazing series. There was just so much to it. Like, there's more to it than most books of its length. There's just so much to, yeah. like, uh, 25 pages of this book, almost any 25 pages have as much action or memorable <laughs> scenes as a lot of books have. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, you talk about the violence being R-rated. I would give, if, if you could characterize violence in a rating system, this would be a hard X. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's true. That the, the the tech is really cool, and it just leads to a lot of violent endings. Oh, and descriptively <clears throat> violent. Yeah. Uh, it was. I, I appreciated the way he described. Um, he didn't go into it in depth, but he would just mention it casually throughout. Oh yeah! By the way, we use these crazy machines to terraform this planet or this moon, and he'll just mention it in like a paragraph. But yeah. I, I really pr appreciated how he just kind of plugged those in without boring you with the details on what it what it really entailed to actually colonize the whole solar system. Yeah, definitely was, not hard sci-fi. You don't get no. a scientific basis for anything. Yeah, works. it was all about the story arc. Yeah. Um, and one thing, I guess, like if we're gonna give uh, a little bit more description, because uh, we started off with Tyler mentioning that this is 700 years after uh, the <clears throat> after humanity has uh, colonized like the entire solar system. At one point, they mentioned that there's maybe a hundred thousand objects that have you know human presence on them. Obviously, some of them are just little small asteroids being mined, but uh, all of the moons of the, the planets, um, any planet that can actually be colonized as well. Um, and uh, the, the people have been broken down into like a real, true, stratified um, society based on colors. Uh, there's 14 total colors. You have the low colors, the mid colors, and the high colors. The reds are the lowest of the low. Um, and people actually have red eyes even. They've been I mean, the people have been genetically modified. To, for this, the Golds, who are the rulers, are there. I mean, they they wouldn't be considered Homo sapien anymore, even would they? Uh, I think they no. would be technically, but they're they're just easily like 
by far the highest of this. Yeah, society. I guess they're just genetic. They're just enhanced. They can't interbreed. Yeah. That is true. No, uh, yeah. no, no cast can interbreed, though. Right, they can't interbreed. So I, I mean, yeah. I think they're separate. That's species. speciation. That's yeah. speciation. Yeah. Right so there. what even is? I guess you got to call them a circle species, like the salamanders in California, right now. We're I wouldn't know. Yeah. Okay. You're the biologist here. Uh. All right. Well, I won't bore anybody with that. Actually, they're not a circle species because some of the salamander species can reproduce with others, but not others. That doesn't happen here. No uh, cast can interbreed with any other cast. So I guess technically they are all different species by our standards, but really they all are. They're, they're home, their uh, common ancestor is Homo sapiens. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, but I mean, like, so among the 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 under the soldier class, they're called obsidians. They're like eight to nine feet tall. They have six fingers on each hand, um, and they're basically like Hulk smash mm-hmm. yeah. monsters. And their entire worldview is framed around Norse mythology, right? Yeah, that's been <clears throat> given to them by the golds, who right. and like the average gold is seven feet tall, um, has. Uh, like a bone density, what was it like five or six mm-hmm. times the bone density of uh, of uh, the red, who's most most like uh, you know throwback humans, and so uh, yeah, I mean they're like way more powerful. And, and I think the important part is that they're all created. That these are they're genetically created species. Mm-hmm. This didn't evolve naturally, but no. the, those in charge, the golds, sort of created the stratification. They were the ones in power, um, and you know use their genetic scientific prowess to set up these different levels yeah yeah yes and the other important part is the f- the fact that the lower colors are slaves and don't know it right. yeah yeah the low reds d- they don't know it at all and um so yeah they like darrow who's a low red he thinks that he is legit i mean you know the the um book blurb says that he thinks he is trying to help humanity move forward they're told by the the higher classes that um the helium that they're um mining is being used to um to terraform the the rest of the solar system but then it's not done yet but it's been done for a long time now i mean 700 years 700 years yeah, yeah. that that one hurt a little bit yeah. when, when you found that out that yeah hurt. yeah that was i think the most <laughs> devastating one and so uh, he will actually have to be made into a gold, which is a you know a process where um, he dies a couple times. You know he's able to be brought back, I mean, but it's I mean he won't be anything like what he was before he's made into a gold. And it's never been done before. I mean they yeah. they find a doctor that'll basically yeah. And the doctors are the purples, right? Is that what they or no? Yellow. Purples are the artists. Oh, the artists. The That's what he is. Wasn't Violet. he a wasn't he a violet, violet who creates him as an artist? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A genetic, artistic class. A genetic artist. Genetic artist, yeah. 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 So, like, he, he creates, like, at one point he takes a pink, and the pinks are the, what you would imagine they would be, the, the prostitute class, basically, mm-hmm. um, and gives her wings, like, so... Like an angel. An angel, yeah. So, um, yeah, this is a society where, the, you know, things are not... Uh, not equal in any way or fair, even within your own class. Definitely you know? a form of fascism, if I might say so. Oh yeah, yes. lots yeah. of like way too much order, strict yeah. hierarchies, incredible worship of violence, and, and it's all set up to serve the interest of the gold yeah. society. And it's and it's based on uh, Roman um, like ideals. Lots so, of Rome in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of it. The the classes 
uh, are the, the way that the the um, this you know the the ranks of the military rank of the the golds is based on like Roman ranks mm-hmm. and things like that. Praetors and yeah, yeah. legates. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I thought like the ships and the the, the ship battles were super cool. They're like in my mind, I just kind of imagined Battlestar Galactica railguns, you know, star shells. Yeah. Yeah. That that stuff was so exciting. I mean, it's, it was just so action-packed. It was crazy. I think, my opinion, the best parts of the book, the whole series, and that's why I think, and I'll just say, in my opinion, the fir- my book favorite book was the first book, was when you have a, even when you have this level of technology, when you take it back to, like, pure, primitive, like, human primal battles of mono e mono that was those were my favorite parts of the book there was a lot of that in the first book and definitely some of it in the third book as well in the first half of the third book yeah yeah there's no shortage of just traditional sword play eric what what were you about to say well i was still kind of thinking about the cast society that's really the the main focus and theme of the book um at least for as an obstacle as a metaphysical obstacle that, that our protagonist is trying to get through. And you, we talked about fascism, I mean, briefly and the Roman influence. I, I had a lot of, of like the Indian caste system that I thought about where it's a, a stratified, you're born into it. That's where you are forever. I was wondering if anyone else had any thoughts on, on kind of what the real world analogies were for how he set the society up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a, like, like in terms of today or in the past, like how he, what it was, basis was. Uh, either. I got a ton of modern analogs out of it. I mean, I'm frustrated with the inequality I see in our society now. And I think that's part of what he was writing about here. Um, th- we are trending in this direction. We should probably do something about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> well, and even, you know, what's funny is that the, uh, the golds, you know, they base their whole, um, tyranny on that they're just moving humanity forward and that that people are supposed to be better than other people and there are people that you know that that feel that way today and I and you know and the stratification that we're going with like the one percenters and things like that 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 really don't feel like they should be paying higher taxes or things like that that and um, yeah I'm sure that Pierce Brown used some of uh, you know some modern um, analogies. I mean, the books were written in the last five years, you know, so I'm sure that he used some of that. I haven't done any, like, research into whether that's actually the case or not. But one thing that when you mentioned, though, the, the caste system, I can't remember one of the books they do actually speak about um, the Indian Empire at one point, you know. Um, that was a, a nod, a, a deliberate nod to a reference that he got. That's kind of what I was wondering, mm, maybe. Yeah. That, uh, But, yeah, so Darrow, um, you know, and... and w- so I guess kind of like when he, at first, he's a hot shot among the Reds, and um, he, his wife ends up being hung kind of in a uh, uh, William Wallace Braveheart-style way, you know, uh, <laughs> for uh, going against the, uh, the, the military ruler, you know, people who are the mine... The overseers. The overseers, yeah. that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, well, she's hung, and then, um, you know, he tries to kill himself, and that's how... You know, he ends up getting taken away and learning what he's learning. But that, that kind of reminded me a little bit of the old uh, Braveheart-style uh, ideology. Mm-hmm. But, and, and that's kind of, that is something that keeps him going for, 
like the first book basically, but after that he realizes that that he's going to have to do more than just that, you know, mm-hmm. like her memory can't be everything because she, you know, she wasn't perfect either. I think that's a key to this book is nobody here is perfect. He doesn't make uh like every all the noble people are have some bad parts to him and even the, all the villains have some sort of redeeming qualities where you're always questioning them. And that's just kind of how people are. There's always a little good. There's always a little bad. And yeah, that just carries throughout the entire series, which I think is some of the best surprises is you don't know who's good and you don't know when, and you don't know why either. Yeah. Except Darrow. Except Darrow. But even he, like he has some, there's never a question that he's the protagonist, but even he like does some, you know, questionably moral things, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Lo- love is always the motivator for him yeah. throughout. Yeah, it is yeah. love, family, friendship. Yeah, so, so you're you're pretty much all in on him the entire time, or at the, least I was. Yeah, the the thing that I want to say though for this book that made it, or this series that made it, uh, so much of a step beyond the the Yaffa that Barry is uh, trying to coin here, is that. There is there was way more gray area in this novel than in most novels. Like I've heard this compared to Hunger Games in the past, but the government in Hunger Games was just straight up evil. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, gray area with them. And these even the even the golds, there's a lot of golds that do that don't like how things are and that do work. You know, at least a little bit to to soften things. You know, there's different factions. And not just the government, but the you know the competitors or the villains. Um, you, know, you talk about the Hunger Games; they're, they're all one note. They're they're bad. There's bad and there's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this one. See, there's another modern analog. You know, our our government is. We we can all complain about different aspects of our government, and there's good politicians that we can rave about or bad ones or whatever. But they're all part of a system that that doesn't really work for the average American, mm-hmm. most people would say. And so uh, he's probably talking about that there too. There's some golds that don't really like everything that the society is about, but they're part of the system and they're not really going to you know, bend over backwards to do anything different because they're in a pretty good spot right now. So there's just one more little yeah. modern... But yeah, it, the, <laughs> when, you, when you think of it like that way, it really does... Uh, um, show like you know kind of the, the modern analog versus versus the way the way government works for you know the the upper class but yeah i just um you know with darrow i think that the one thing that for me in this book is that because of the way the system is set up he has to infiltrate the golds and so we actually spend most of our time with the golds as a result and i had people that i thought that i was going to hate right off the bat or that you think that you're supposed to hate that you spend so much time with and that Darrow will still, he'll actually call them his brothers, you know, throughout the, the, the novel, even though, you know, he's technically, I mean, even though he, even though he's a gold at this point, he, you know, he was a red at heart and that's what he was born. And so, yeah, he'll have, you just spend so much time and there's so much nuance. There's, there's way more nuance in this than any other series that might be considered YA or in that YA adjacent that, uh, um, than you normally see. Severo is the best. Oh. Everyone loves Severo. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Severo is uh, Darrow's best friend. He's gold. He doesn't like showers. 
or he's a gold, but he doesn't like showers or anything that involves anything of class or dignity. Yeah, he's a black. He's a black sheep of oh, yeah. the gold herd. Yeah, well, right off the bat, he does something he's not supposed to do, which is survive. And we find <laughs> out that to get into the academy, they have like the t- you. They only take a few people, or like a like is it a hundred per? Oh, way more than that. But there's like thirteen school classes, right? Or thirteen groups? Is that how many there was? In yeah, the, and the everyone big, is paired in the it, passage. Yeah, and, and you're paired. Yeah, there's a hundred people a, chosen for each one. It's like a simulated evolution. Yeah. And so to get your first test is is they pair like the highest ranked people with the lowest ranked people and you have to and only one person leaves the room they're going to kill off the weakest. Yeah, they essentially throw two people in a room and then say, "All right, when are you getting out? Good luck." Yeah. And so you have to kill another gold to to get in. So that's it showing even like the you know, you have to be the the most strongest and fittest even within the golds. So that's kind of how the golds justify their rule too is that they're um, like to themselves, a lot of them is that they're they're toughest on themselves. Like everything they do is designed to weed out the weak. If you're going to be part of the ruling class, so you know they have a certain percentage. They expect a certain percentage of the children to die. For example, they're you know they're they're going to have because of how rigorous the testing is going to be. And uh, but yes, yeah, so Severo is paired up with the guy that's like the number one person that's supposed to to go on. But Severo just. Doesn't he just rip out his throat? He's like, a nasty man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like University of Maryland, Baltimore County versus Virginia last year in the tournament. 16 seed upset at number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Virginia but, won it the next year, so it's all good. Yeah, so, but, I mean, even that is rigged. I mean, they set, it, they set it up to weed out their own population. Yeah. Where the academy invites come in, like, the top 1% oh, of the, you know, graduating class of high school that year and the bottom 1%. And then they pair the top one and the bottom Indeed. one. Es- yeah. Essentially expecting, you know, their best to kill off their worst, yeah. which ends up putting Darrow in a real tough yeah. spot. Right, but okay. it's a lesson. That's the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> imagine the Arrested <laughs> Development thing. <laughs> the guy with the arm ripped off. It's a lesson. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you trying to yeah. prove here? This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, their technology allows for you to get your arm back. Right, <laughs> just yeah. not your life. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, this the whole series. I feel you know what's funny is is I feel like because there's so much, uh, so many like themes and things to talk about. We haven't done we haven't really done any spoilers, even though we're talking about the whole series because we're we haven't got past the first book even with anything that we've really talked about. Um, you may need to do a follow up for this one. <laughs> maybe, yeah. but yeah. So one thing that well, and um, just randomly, has anyone heard? Is the book the like I know the movie rights have been optioned out. And they've done at least two. Um, Pierce Brown himself has written says at least written at least two. Um, last I checked, plays. that's the word I was looking. Last for. I checked, he wants to do a TV show. And last <laughs> I checked, Game of Thrones is ending. So maybe Kit Harrington's going to play Darrow. Oh man! Or He's, this might fit the lacuna that Game of Thrones will be leaving. Well, on the Wheel television. of Time is starting a TV show, Barry. So I, I have to assume. Everyone in the world is going to be watching The Wheel of Time, oh, and not just man. me. It's going to be so amazing. So maybe excited. maybe this, people this, can just watch twice as much TV then. If this sucks, <laughs> then I'm going to be devastated. It's it's. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried. <laughs> we'll see. Amazon's putting a lot of money into it, so that'll solve all the problems. Amazon has a lot of money. They do. That Jeff Bezos, man, he's like the. Uh, 
He's like Quicksilver, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. There, third book. <laughs> um, I thought like it occurred to me at one point. It would. I kind of hope that at some point this might might be a long ways down the road, but it would be cool if he wrote the story of um, the downfall of Earth and the rise of the of the society. A prequel. Yeah, that would be fun because that he he references that a few times and from different war heroes or different events during that. Uh, those wars and it sounded like it was probably pretty interesting or could yeah. have been. I mean, I think he's created enough of a world here that he could, yeah, he, he could, could go anywhere, bread and butter this for an entire career. Do like <laughs> yeah. a disc world. I won't miss, I won't miss a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What, how many, how many uh, books does Pratchett have like in this world, like 32 or something like that? I mean, I'm making a number up, but I don't think I'm far off. <laughs> no, I'm in the way that this guy's writing, Wade Brown's writing every yeah. two years or so. It is impressive it. how yeah. quickly the he's timeline that you've referenced. Out, and the first one came yeah. out in 2014, so he's a uh, mm-hmm. he's a like one a year. Yeah, that's that's impressive. But now that he's talking movies and TV shows and stuff, that concerns me a little bit. Well, for maybe good I mean he only has one. He's this one's supposed to be a trilogy again, so maybe he'll get that. Second trilogy, at least t- out. Tyler, you're the only one that's read at least the first book of the second trilogy. Yeah, and it's every bit is good. It just keeps riding that wave. Yeah. One thing that makes that did make me happy was, so the first book is 384 pages, and the second one's like 560, and the third one's almost 600, or 460, then almost 600. I liked that it got longer because that was more reading for me to do because I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I so I actually this might be a social faux pas in this setting, but I drive a ton for work and I did these via audiobook. Oh, me no, too. We're, okay. We're totally legit with the audiobooks. Okay, cool. Um and I, every time I downloaded the next book, I was like, "Yes, it's longer." Yes. <laughs> a few more hours. Uh and it was so fun, man. I'd be like driving down the freeway between Mountain Home and Glenn's Ferry pounding my chest or crying. <laughs> like, I cried twice during this. I've never cried from an audiobook. Before, I cried so. a lot. I yeah. cried like probably 12 or 13 times. Oh, good. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, see, it was, it was just so fun. I, so I'm not, this is too much of a spoiler, but I cried when got killed. <laughs> he tricked me. He tricked me many times <laughs> over the course of the three books. And uh, I will it was, yeah. I was very, very worried about so many different people because I don't know if I was just in a like sort of a buy-in gullible stage in my life when I went through this trilogy or uh, that's my nature or what but I was really into his characters and and they were they were cool they were complex and um I was very worried about who might die. Here, his character development was incredible. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Well, here's what I want to mention. Speaking of you know you saying you don't know if you were just extra gullible or what, so I'm reading a book right now, really well written. I like the story, but I can't buy in to the premise of like how these people don't know what they're but what they would know when they're also the ruling class, you know, and. Um, I, but I, I think it's because the author just hasn't created a plausible enough story in my mind for me to believe this. But Pierce Brown wrote such an amazing story. I bought in the whole time. I drone on all the time about that goddamn movie in my mind. I, I, I never, like, my higher mental functions didn't stop me. Like, I was so into the story and moving so fast that, like, a lot of times I didn't stop and be like, 
is I don't think I'm going to believe that. Sometimes I believe stuff because the story was so good that I never bothered to get out of my flow to think about it, you know? And sometimes you might say, oh, that's not good. But, like, it was, like, I was, I was watching that movie in my mind for, like, well, I read the entire trilogy in five days. So I just, I mean, I just kept going, you know? And so I think it was just so good that I believed some things that I wouldn't have otherwise believed. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I, I was just, <coughs> I was taking it as it, as it came at me. Because it's, it's coming fast. Yeah, I, I felt like it took me. I mean, I, it just kind of grabs you <laughs> yes. and, and, and you're rips holding you on. through. You yeah, I mean, and on. there are very yeah. few series or, or books that are so just, you know, you, you can't set them down. Yeah. You have to know what's happening yeah. next yeah. and, and so, where this yeah, is going. You, you talked about this um, with uh, Name of the Wind, Cam, in that like you just... It's it's hard to put it down, and and these these two series um, affected me more profoundly than any books I've read recently. Yeah, and uh, in different ways though. I thought I thought Rothfuss did different. His character development stuff was mm-hmm. a little bit different. I wasn't as interested in his other characters as much, but yeah, that is one thing. To, is we you care about like secondary characters a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, but the ca- I think that like he develops relationships with like so Darrow, who's the main character, you care about these other people in relation to how he cares about them, like what their relationship with him is, and his his caring about other people makes you care about these other characters too. And Brown really seamlessly brings in other people throughout. Um, and I think that maybe like the way. You know, like, he, he he does a really good job of creating situations where people have to bond, and that mm-hmm. even though at this point I'm a little past that stage in my own life, I can, you know, you could think of the ways that, like, in college, you know, you bond with people or your buddies and things like that, and you just are able to see that you're in situations, that he puts people in situations that seem natural in terms of, like, the, why you would care about these other people, you know? It's like you read a book about shared trauma before he wrote this. <laughs> yeah. I had an yeah. understanding that yeah. when he, we have people together in a traumatic setting, that, that's something they're going to share together forever. And so I have, you know, these groups for you know survivors of certain things that yeah. still meet together every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. You know, whether it's World War Two or or the you know the crash of the towers. Mm-hmm. You know, they they need to be together. Yeah, because they're the only other people who understand. He does that. Over and over yeah. with his characters and with Daryl yeah. and different people, so that they're they're gelled. Yeah. God, remember that time we star shelled through the hull of the Colossus? <laughs> right? That was epic, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that that does remind me. Like we've mentioned that this is not hard sci-fi in any way, and there is it. it if you're looking for The Martian, even though this is set on <laughs> Mars, the first book, you're not getting that. Like. I mean, they're no. basically you're basically getting like a whole lot of like just crazy shit going <laughs> on, um, that uh, I mean, just warriors fighting with mechanized armor in some mm-hmm. cases, you know. I think the only science that you get is that somehow helium three powers things, yeah. and yeah. that's it. That was yeah. a bit of a jump, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah, we're mining helium three, and but we have spaceships. By the we way, need, I we need to get to in the Mars. news today. Pronto. There's a shortage of helium. Uh, Little kid birthdays are going to get a little bit more expensive, so maybe we need some more reds. Okay, cut that. I seem like a racist now. Yep. Well, I mean, 
We, I don't think you did until you said it. Now you do. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of, I mean, basically. Speciesist, Barry, speciesist. Yes, mm-hmm. there you are. This is Star Wars, or in my mind, like, a lot of it's more Battlestar Galactica. I mean, you get, like, a lot of really cool ship battles where they're firing, like, nukes and rail guns at each other. And, you know, like, it's just, uh, there's a, just a ton of action. Yeah, I, when I when I recommended this to some friends, uh, especially uh, when I had just uh, listened to Red Rising, they were like, well, that just sounds like Ender's Game, which I have not read, so I don't yeah, know. Right. Um, I mean, Enders is a real racist asshole, misogynist, from what I've heard. So you know, or not, what's his name? Orson Scott Card. Has yeah. His name Wells Card. Yeah, Card. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Um, and and I don't know. I, I really can't comment. But that's what a few people said. And uh, but then a couple of those people read this, and they weren't saying that after they read this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are uh, getting pretty close to where we need to probably start to wrap it up even though we're actually pretty short for an episode but um or i guess we're about 40 minutes and we're probably got 30 minutes of usable so i think that uh we all pretty much agree that we enjoyed this uh this series what did you least enjoy though cameron like what was the worst part Ooh, god i don't i'll really give you my worst part uh i asked I, this for barry and did you? okay uh I don't know. I guess I disagree with Cameron about this one particular issue that he was commenting. Particular one, I think the weakness of science fiction. I don't care about space battles. This, they had some decent space battles, but usually space battles just kind of instantly bore me. Like I can't even finish the original Star Wars because you know the. I get it. You're gonna kill the star, the Death the Death Star. It's boring now. I don't care. <laughs> Human battles are amazing, but yeah, space battles. Eh, I can do without any of them. And this book. Did a, about a better job of it, but still, eh. Space battles are kind of boring. I don't know. I thought that because a lot of it went like first person with Darrow, like then uh, this the space battles were um, like more personal to me because of that. Um, a lot of, I mean, there was a little bit of the like larger, you know, like fleet versus fleet stuff, but that would be kind of in the background to what was actually happening to Darrow himself, and so that made more of a impression on me because it was about what was happening to him and his own emotions while he was fighting. I mean, I like the part where, like, they were talking about how, like, a lot of people actually, like, legitimately shit themselves when they get shot out of the <laughs> ship in their, uh, in their you know, capsules. And they, he's, like, he's like, I knew I wasn't going to because I had a I had an extra tight sphincter put in, you know? <laughs> like, but, and Severo actually does shit himself, you know? And he's like... He like, ships his pants. He ships his pants, and he's Kmart. like, "Yeah, they're like, he's like, did, you did, didn't you?" And Severo doesn't want to like admit to it, you know. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> like, I just thought, felt like there, that personal touch was added in there, you know. Well, and Tyler, you're a distance runner. Did that strike home for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've been through some of that. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> just, just today, in fact, the, <laughs> right after that track workout. <laughs> those tight little shorts. There's yeah. a reason why they're so small, so you can just pull <laughs> yeah. them aside. Nice little pocket underneath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all righty. Um, I think that we would all. Barry, would you recommend it to others? I would, in fact. I would <laughs> t- highly recommend this to anybody. Um, possibly be careful about um, how young the kid is, because there's a lot of really violent parts, but. 
Um, other than that, anybody above the age of 18 who likes to read good books, not just science fiction or fantasy fans, anyone who likes a good book, I'd recommend this to. In fact, I have, and I will continue to recommend this book to anyone. Although, uh, the way America currently works, though, there are uh, there might be torture scenes and lots of violence, but there's no sex scenes, so 12, maybe 11. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Versus right. the rating system, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that that was my struggle with would be for a recommendation on this is it is incredibly violent yeah. in in a way that people that are put off by it um I, I would avoid it. I mean, yeah. There are a couple of like legit torture scenes. Uh like the start of book 3, for example. That's rough. It's rough. I mean, He's confined in a coffin basically for nine months, as on, on built into this guy's dinner table. You know. Yeah, I had tremendous anxiety throughout that <laughs> whole section. Yeah, so there's there's it's a violent. It's not you know it's it's Yaffa. You know, it's not a we Eric and I and we talked. You know, had multiple conversations on Facebook just about this. You know, of like how are you going to define it? But yeah, it's way too violent. Um, aside from the fact that it does have like you know the characters start off they're eighteen you know so and Brown when yeah. he wrote it was young he was in his early twenties was or, he really so yes. this guy's uh, younger than us yes oh yeah way younger he wrote the first book in his parents uh, upstairs <laughs> but he has less money I'm sure <laughs> uh, he comes from a pretty well off family his mom's in, like an executive at a oh, Fortune really? five hundred oh, okay he's so, an American guy right yeah yeah is yeah he? he's a yeah. gold. <laughs> he is, yeah. He's well, about he to be. He's about silver. to be. Or maybe he's a silver, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Self-made man. Yeah. Trump's a gold. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but he, I mean, he wrote this really, really young, maybe in his late teens. Oh, man. That's so. insane. Or at right. least he had the ground, the foundation probably in his teens. I th- what an asshole. I think Why he wasn't wrote- he getting drunk? Like a real late teen American teenager, huh? Let me give his, let me find his I don't know. Daryl has a couple hangovers in there. He probably was. A couple. So he was he's 31 now, sorry. So he was born in 88, so if the first one was published 2014. in 2014 so he's 31 now. Mhm. So this his Killing first it. book was published when he was 26. 26. So he wrote it at like 23, 24. Jesus Christ. 25. He's do, he's doing all right. So disgusted yeah. with my own life right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, anyone here not giving it a five star? Nope. Five star. Five star. Every five book star. would be a five star, and as a series as a whole, I really do feel like if you like sci-fi, and, and even the tiniest bit, you probably should read this. It's a five. Yeah. All right. We all love it. And surprise. Magna cum laude. Can yeah. I do that? Surprisingly, I can mm-hmm. actually. I'm going to be able to even say this is basically spoiler-free, even though we talk about a whole series. Yeah, well, well done, gentlemen. Well I was done. worried about that because yeah. I actually ruined a significant part of the storyline for Eric, thinking he had already read that part. Right, I told him, that I was talking about the conclusion to book two via text, and Tyler responded to me thinking that I'd finished the series ah. and talked about X character's death and how <laughs> how heartfelt it was for him, and I just, I res- you son of a dad. <laughs> ah, I, <laughs> I did, and I did the same thing to Pena, too. Oh, man. Didn't even learn was, the lesson. I was kind of disappointed. I thought Pena was going to come. I talked to him a couple days ago, and he sounded really excited about it, but... I think it was kid coverage. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. One thing I really liked about this book, it brought so much of what we know into it. There's Norse mythology. There's yeah. Roman uh, history and myth. There's... Uh, Old sci-fi books, like uh, Daryl kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Stars My Destination. There's like a little bit of uh, 
Hunger Games in there. There's just a lot of archetypes you see, but he, I mean, it's not, a lot of modern stuff is never completely original, but he repurposes enough from different sources that it totally feels like a completely new product that is so easy to get into. Absolutely. 